0: Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. I'm so glad that you join us today. We here at CSN have a real passion for stewardship champions, those stewardship leaders in churches across America. We know how passionate and tireless you work to share the truth about biblical stewardship and generosity. So today, uh, we're going to share with you a resource that we hope you'll find helpful and that you can use it to add to your own knowledge and perhaps use it in teaching and training people in your church, maybe even your stewardship volunteer team. I'm referring to a new book that's recently been released titled Spiritual Wealth. The author of this book is Marcus Hall, and I have him joining me today to share more about it and why he's written this book. Marcus, welcome.
1: I am thrilled to be with you, Leo. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so just a little bit about Marcus. He is an author, of course, and a Christian financial advisor. He's helping families create and develop values based planning, investments, and giving strategies. His goal is to help people understand the biblical principles of stewardship and how to apply them to real life because he wants to see them fulfill God's purpose for their life. He's gained valuable knowledge on this subject because he's obtained the Certified Kingdom Advisors designation. And for those of you that are not familiar with the Kingdom Advisors, it's an organization started by Ron Blue, and they have a great biblically-based training for financial advisors. It's a certification program that financial advisors have to complete in order to be a kingdom advisor. So Marcus has gone through that, and his desire is to help people integrate their Christian values in their financial decision-making. So Marcus, let's begin with just a brief personal introduction. Tell us about yourself.
1: Well, I am actually uh, an LA native, lower Alabama. I have spent my uh, entire life here in the southeastern corner of Alabama in a a city called Dothan that uh, for most folks, if you've ever uh, vacationed in Panama City Beach, uh, probably one of your last pit stops uh, on the way there. But no, we are the the peanut capital of the world here, the home of the National Peanut Festival. Uh, I am married to my wife, Christy, with three uh, wonderful daughters, uh, ages 18, 6, and 4. So uh, we are dealing with colleges and kindergartens right now in my life. Wow,
0: that's a that's a very long range there, my friend.
1: Uh, I, yes, I, I noticed a few weeks ago uh, as I was sitting with my six-year-old as she was reading Dr. Seuss and very proud of starting to pick up reading uh, and then went from that to helping my daughter, other older daughter with uh, college essays uh, for uh, for scholarships and, and things like that. So uh, very interesting place I'm at in my life right now, yes.
0: No doubt, no doubt. All right. So Marcus, let's start with just a beginning question. Why did you write this devotional book? It is a devotional. And who did you write it for?
1: God has been working in my life for the last two or three years to really, I've really built a passion for stewardship. And you mentioned going through the Kingdom Advisors Program and being involved in that organization uh, has done wonders for, for hopefully my spiritual growth and for just seeing, you know what? What I, what I considered as a ministry before, I, what I do every day with my clients, I really believe is a huge part of my ministry, of helping lead them and guide them to, to make good decisions with their money, with their time, with, with everything they have going on and making sure that they're doing things that are in alignment with their values. And earlier this year, I was able to start a uh, discipleship class at our church in teaching some of the material actually that Ron Blue has out there and that we went through with the Kingdom Advisors program. Um, And even though it got cut short, as everything did because of COVID uh, earlier this year, after just a couple of weeks, I was seeing the conviction, the interest, the hunger that the folks that were in the class had for what we were going through and what we were talking about. And that was part of God's way of of showing me, listen, this, this is material that people want to know, that Christians want to know and want to understand better so that they can live a more godly lifestyle. And and that's just the fact is that stewardship, you'll hear me refer to this throughout our discussion, is way more than just money. And I think a lot of times people hear we're going to have a stewardship lesson or a stewardship lesson from the pastor this week from the pulpit, and they immediately start thinking, what are we buying? What are we paying off? Or what, what do we need to do here? And what I want to help stress to folks is that God means stewardship to mean everything in our lives. And it is it is decisions every day. And so when I say, who do I write it for? It's really any Christian who is wanting to learn more about, listen, are, are there, is, is there a purpose in my life that I'm not fulfilling right now? Are, are there yeah. things that God is trying to tell me that I haven't taken the time to really uh, to really go about that process of being able to figure out what he's trying to tell me. So I think it's great for a Christian who is trying to dig deeper into this area of things. I think it's great for a new Christian who is just kind of opening the floodgates, and and it's just like drinking from the fire hydrant right now, of trying to figure out what what, what is the way that I need to live? What do I need to be doing? But quite honestly, even if you're not a believer and never stepped foot in a church before, the Bible gives you the best financial advice you could ever find. And so if you want to talk about what to do with your finances and how to just make daily life decisions, uh, the Bible is the perfect place to, to find the answers to those questions.
0: I love that. You really did a great job of when you wrote the book as a devotional, because sometimes when you read a book like this, especially in the area of finances and biblical finance, it can come across a little too scholarly and maybe a little bit over people's heads. And so I love the fact that you took and said, how can I share this in a way That people can take each concept, each principle, each thought, each idea, and somehow figure out a way to apply it to their life. And part of what you've done in the book is at the end of every day, every devotional day, you have a section called Apply Today's Truth. So it challenges you based on what you just read. And it's a short, what is it, about two to three pages, maybe four pages long. So it's easy to digest, very easy to understand the concept that you're communicating in that one devotional. And then it makes you think about, how does this hit me today? How do I apply this? What do I need to address? Is it an attitude? Is it a, a belief? And so I love the fact that you did that because it makes it applicable. It's not this big idea that I, maybe I can walk away with my 10% of it or remember it, but it's actually applicable every day. So I love that you did that.
1: And I appreciate you seeing that and saying that because all the time that we spend in the Word, and, and I mean this book to be a compliment, to your Bible reading. This is not to replace, because I want want you to have the Bible out with you while you're going through this, because it is scripture heavy. And Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to go see the context of where these verses come from as well. I'll hit on some of that through the pages, but you'll need to see some of that yourself and to read your commentary in there to really soak that in. And I I purposely didn't want you to have to read a whole lot every day, because I want you to be able to see what are we really talking about with this Mm -hmm. particular lesson, this Mm -hmm. particular devotion. Somebody asked me in an interview a a few weeks ago, what do you hope people get out of this book? And if you are truly searching for what God is trying to tell you, I pray that you have conviction as you read through this book because you are going to find someplace, every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us has places in our lives that we can improve our spiritual walk. I just pray that you find what God is trying to tell you. And I I will guarantee you that if you are purposefully... Looking through these pages, these devotionals, it's not because of my writing, but it's because of the Scripture that's being used, that God will show you what He's trying to tell you and and will allow you to kind of get down a path and start a process of what He's trying to to lead you to.
0: Yeah, I I definitely would wholeheartedly agree with that, because as I was reading through, I was literally just not reading the content, but actually reading the Apply Today's Truth and thinking, okay, this is a question to me. I'm not just reading this to get familiar with it so that I can ask Marcus the right questions. I was actually taking the time and saying, all right, here's a thought. I know this. I've taught this. But yet as I am being challenged with a question, now I have to internalize and personalize it. And I have to pause for a moment and say, where am I with this issue? Like, if I'm being honest, where am I with this issue? And I love the fact that even though I live in this, this is part of my everyday life, to share these thoughts, to encourage others, to teach others to do this. But even I have to consistently come back to these principles and see, am I lining up with these truths, or am I veering off just a little bit? And I think that's such a key thing, and that's why I mentioned earlier that maybe you can, you the listener, can use this to train your volunteers or other people because it's applicable no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're a brand new believer, or you've been teaching this for 20 years, I I really truly believe the Holy Spirit gave you some very clear words. Uh, And of course, the truth, meaning the Bible truth, is in here. So it highlights the truth, and then you're able to help people just personalize it. So I found it to be really, really good. Uh, I'm not overselling it, honestly. I just think it's really a great uh, tool to use to just come back to the basics. And, and that's really what I love about it. It's, uh, it brings everybody back to the basics.
1: Thank you so much. And you hit a theme that is very important to me. I also lead a, uh, a men's class uh, in our church on Sunday mornings, a connection group. And I, I tell them often, it kind of leads from what you just said. My comment to them is, listen, every one of us in this room are in different places in our spiritual walk. Some of us have been Christians for 30, 35 years. Some of us are just starting our process. My goal in our classroom setting, and my goal as you are reading through the material and reading through the book and reading through spiritual wealth, my goal is that you take a step forward, no matter where you are right now, is to take a step closer. And that should be any time that we sit down with with the Bible, any time we sit down with a, a, a group of Christians to discuss uh, a topic or doing study on your own, that should be our goal every time. How can I take one step closer to Christ in this process?
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think it does that really well. So uh, let's help our audience get a better visual or better understanding of how this book might be applicable to them. Some of the things we shared, hopefully will already encourage them, but I really want them to have a better understanding of how you lay this out. How will this book help them? How will this book help the individual, the stewardship leader, regardless of where they are? Like, how did you put this book together to help every person?
1: I believe that when you're talking about living a life of stewardship, what you're talking about is living a life that is guided by the Holy Spirit. And quite honestly, I believe that a lot of us, and me included, have accepted some things probably that aren't truth that we're willing to say, that's okay, or that can be a part of my life. And we we kind of get callous to it, don't get convicted by it anymore, and just kind of accept that. And so before you make any changes of how you're living or, or results of what come from your actions, I think you have to understand what God is actually saying to start with. And that's the reason that I set things up this way. And actually, I, I, I kind of copied what uh, what Ron Blue has in a lot of the material that he did in the CKA program and that, that Certified Kingdom Advisor program, and that he, each chapter would start with a know, believe, and do. I have hmm. to know the information. I have to soak that in before I can make it part of what I actually understand and believe, and only then will I actually apply it to my life. I take in a lot of information every day that if I don't like it or if it doesn't fit with me, I'm not going to apply those things to my life. And so Mm -hmm. that's why we've set up here is to first understanding God's standards. What does God say about stewardship? What does God say about contentment? What, What actually are the facts here and the truth that God gives us? And I think only then when we take that in is when we have to start that's when our flesh selves and, and the spirit start that battle of here's, here's what I think, and here's how I've lived my life, but the Bible is telling me something different. Those things are in conflict. The spirit lesson needs to, to win, but I need mm-hmm. to understand why that's the truth, and that's why it's important, I think, to take the time to see what God is saying about these things. So only after I understand what he says can I actually adapt my mind. And so we go from understanding God's standards to adapting my mind. his standards. And only then as you, because your worldview, your perspective, and your focus is everything. If you don't understand those basic concepts and principles of what God is trying to get across, you're never going to change an action or change Mm. a behavior or do something different in your life. That's right. And only then the the, the next three chapters or the next three parts of of the book are living out his standards, planning by his standards, and saving by his standards. And we get into what are the applicable things that I can do to now make a difference in in how I'm acting and what I'm doing every day. And I wanted to purposefully make it everyday situations. These aren't high concepts that are hard to grasp. We're talking about decisions that you make every single day, multiple times a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so you alluded to this, but I want to more clearly identify what you just said, which is that there are sections to this book, the first section you titled Understanding God's Standards, and this is about understanding what has God laid in place as truth for us to live by, that's His standards, not what we might have heard, the way we might have grown up, what we heard of God and what He says and what He wants. But actually what the Word of God says. So this is identifying the standard. Then the second part is adapting my mind, meaning individually, to God's standards. It follows the path there that once I understand God's standard, then I have to make a decision, right? The decision is not to reject, but to accept the standard and say, okay, now I have to make this my standard. What do I do with that
1: knowledge? What do I do now with that material that I'm soaking in? Am I going to let it make a change in my life and allow the Spirit to make a change in my life? Yes.
0: So then that leads to the third section, which is living out God's standard. So understanding God's standard, adapting my mind to it, and then living it out. And that's kind of fluid. It's all in one. It all happens daily as we make these decisions, as we embrace the truth, apply it to our lives, make whatever adjustments we need to make when that conviction comes to accept it as God's path, God's righteousness being spoken to us, being revealed to us, so that we can line up with that standard, apply it to our lives, and then live it out. And then the next part is planning by God's standards. So now, I love what you did here because looking to the future, you're saying, okay, now i got to start planning what I'm going to do ahead of time to live by this standard. I can't fall back into the way I used to think and do things. I have to remain by this standard. So that talks about intentionality, about actually creating a standard, looking forward and saying, I'm going to plan for this.
1: And I think this in- reinforces the fact that when I talk to folks as a financial advisor, and we're talking about retirement planning, we're talking about investments and things like that, is that I don't think folks truly understand how much the Bible says about how we make our plans and how Mm -hmm. we look forward to the future. And I think it's very important that we allow God to lead that because we are, when we talk about being stewards, we are to be stewards of our family. We are to take care of our family both now, later on, but there are also fine lines between what does that really mean? And I can't fully answer that question for you. Only your relationship with God can do that. There is no chapter and verse in the Bible that says, uh, Leo, you were to spend X amount of dollars each month as part of your lifestyle. Right. And you need, I don't care what some of the commercials say, you need exactly this much money to retire off of, to live 30 years. There's, there's no fine answer for that. That depends on what God is telling you. And we look at, we look at certain parables or certain uh, stories in the Bible that take the rich young ruler, for instance that said, listen, I have done everything you have asked me to do. I think I am prepared and ready to, to follow you where, where you need me to go. And Jesus said, well, that's fine. You've done a lot of great things, but one thing that I need you to do is go uh, sell all of your things and give it to the poor. And I think people misconstrue that verse a lot in that Jesus is asking everybody to give everything away. And I don't think that's the truth. I think what Jesus is saying there is that in that case, in his case, he knew that was the young ruler's Achilles heel in yeah. that he had, a, he had a small G God in his money that was ahead of the capital G God of where he needed to be in his life. And so in that case, he said, this is what you need to do to work on. I don't think he's calling everybody to do that, but he is calling us to give in different ways and to do different things. But that's up to Our relationship with Christ and what he's telling us individually to do.
0: Yeah, I I agree, and it goes back to the whole definition of stewardship, right? If if I'm a steward, I'm a steward of someone else's resources, possessions, wealth, right? So if I do believe that God created me, and I embrace the fact that he is God, and I'm a steward, I'm his child, and, and a steward of what he's entrusted to me, then I can't do that outside of his input. Otherwise, I'm not really a steward. I'm a, well, I am. I'm a wicked steward. I'm doing my thing instead of what he wants me to do. And all that really means is, and I think this is where, especially in our Western culture, we kind of like to still maintain control. We don't want to give up control. So what we want to say is, okay, God, I know what you want me to do. I know the rules. I'll follow the rules. But So there's something that we're holding back. It may be our career, it may be our relationship, it may be something. And God knows what that is. Just like the rich young ruler, he knew the guy had something in the way of him fully serving God. And he said, You gotta give that up. If you don't give that up, then you really can't be with me. You can't follow me, and you're gonna fail in your role. And in the same way, I think this is this is what I love about this journey, is that it forces you to one understand the truth, to embrace that, to make a decision. This is really key. In anything that we ever teach on stewardship, this is the place we want to take people to. Not that we are trying to sell them something or coerce them into something. We want them to know the truth. The truth will reveal to them what they need to do. Then it's up to them to make that decision, and this is something we can't do for them. But if we can pose that opportunity for them to understand truth, and then let the Holy Spirit bring that conviction, suggest the change that needs to happen in their lives, then they can line up with God's standard. And that's something that never stops. This is why I love this book, is because I can come back to this a year from now, go through the journey all over again, and it's going to challenge me in a different area. It's going to make me kind of put a mirror in front of me and say, am I doing this? And to what degree am I holding back and, and gaining control instead of giving it back to God?
1: And I think that's why, I, and I hope that the material makes a, uh, a, a good book for either a, a small group or a church. Uh, for folks to go through, because I'm afraid, and and I, we've talked about this a little bit before, in that there's so much about giving and stewardship that comes with a negative connotation mm-hmm. in the church today, because of the way it's presented in the wrong light so many times, and like we spoke about earlier, maybe it's only when we need to raise money, or we need to do something, and I think we don't teach it in a way for people to understand and for Christians to understand this is everyday life decision-making that we're talking about. When we talk about being a good steward, it is talking about how do we how do we teach our children? How do we make decisions on how we act and perform at work every day? How do we uh, set up our planning for retirement, our giving uh, for tithing, and for other offerings that we may give? So money is definitely a part of it, but there's so many other things that come underneath the umbrella of stewardship that if we're not doing the things that God calls us to do, there's no way to find a true contentment. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. Paul, we saw that. He he lived both sides of the spectrum. He was very rich and he was climbing the ranks with the group that he was with before he turned into to the Paul that we respect so much now. When he was opposing Christians, he was very good at his job and he was climbing the ranks and had the riches and was and was doing that. And then he wrote about contentment from a jail cell from prison in saying, listen, I've seen it both ways, and I am content with, with every situation God has put me in. And until we can truly get to that point of saying, you know, God, I am content with where you have me, which doesn't mean we should not work hard to achieve other things down the road for other reasons too, but it means we should be content with where God has us today. There's a reason He has us here. There's a reason He has us for each season in our life, And are we living out the purpose that He wants us to be living in each one of those seasons? Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. What I love about what you just shared is that it opens the door or leaves the door open for stewardship to be applied in such a way that whether you are, uh, and I mean contentment specifically, but whether you are well off financially or maybe struggling financially, you can have contentment in either one of those situations. And Paul, when he described that, he really said hey, if God blesses me and I've got more than enough, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. But if He takes it all away and only gives me what I basically need and maybe eat every other day, then I'm going to be grateful also because that's not the source of my contentment. It's not the resources. And that's really such an important topic, especially in the Church, because we tend to think, especially in our Western society, we tend to think that when it comes to stewardship, it's financial, right? It's always financial. And I think that's what really, you clearly speak in this book through these different uh, devotional thoughts and ideas and, and days that you go through, is that you are unpacking more than just a financial. Yes, there is a financial undertone, because we are so hyper-focused on finances in our culture. We have to be, uh, because it gets people's attention. But it's so much more, and I think anyone that's listening to this or, or has taken that step to understand biblical stewardship really resonates with that, uh, that it is, it is a message that's so much more than money.
1: And the definition of stewardship that I talk about in the book, the definition that I love, it actually came from Balou. It's the use of God-given gifts and resources such as time, talent, treasure, influence, relationships, for the accomplishment of God-given goals and objectives. So it's every gift that he gives us. It's our talents. It's our. It is our money, but it's also our resources, our time. Every minute, every day that we live on earth, we should be looking for a way to say, God, how can I give that back to you? in a way that pleases you and that that you formed me for. We're talking about, if you believe what the Bible says, God knew exactly why He formed you years and years and years ago before you ever existed in the womb. Mm. He knew every hair on your head. He knew everything about you, and He designed you with a purpose. And so especially during a time like we've been going through over the last few months, hey, when I started this back in February, COVID wasn't really a thing Mm -hmm. yet and and wasn't what it has become over the last few months. And so I had specific reasons why I thought God was calling me to do it. But what I've seen over the last few months is such anxiety and such fear, of such loss that so many have experienced of physically losing loved ones, of losing jobs, losing income because your job has been cut back in a lot of areas uh, in the nation, and in, in a lot of different uh, a lot of different areas of work. In that there are so many different circumstances now than there were even earlier this year. And so what I want people to understand, and it's not that my writing is that great, but I want you to see the truth that you can glean from the Bible that allows you to say, listen, God has a purpose for you. If you are listening to this podcast, God has a purpose for you because you are alive and breathing. And I hope that you are able to start that process of finding what is it that God wants me to be doing.
0: Mm, That's really good. All right, Marcus, what are some of the key principles you draw out in this book, and why? What do you hope people will walk away with?
1: I think one of the main things is the fact that when we talk about stewardship and we look at what the Bible says about it, you've already touched on it a little bit. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you are black, white, from any other nation. It doesn't matter if you have children, you don't, you're married or you're not. It doesn't matter. The principles and the things that we're talking about that come from the Bible— Are transcendent principles. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His thoughts don't change the way he thinks about things. The principles we're talking about were good for the folks in the Bible 5,000 years ago. They're good for us today, and they will be good for us in the future. And so I don't want you to think that this is a book about just giving more of my money away. That is definitely part of it if you are so called to do so. I can't tell you that that's what God's calling you to do. That's what I hope you discover through all of this, but what I do want you to know is that you're not responsible for anything God didn't give you in the first place. I'm not responsible for what, Leo, you give or for what you do with your talents. I am responsible for mine, and one day I will be in front of the Lord. Hopefully it's several years down the road, but I will be in front of the Lord, and I will be held accountable for the time, the resources, the gifts, the relationships, the network, the money that He allowed me to be a steward of, He's going to ask, what did you do with these things? And then we get into a situation, we go back to the parable of the talents. And I love that story for a couple of different reasons. And one that really, through my research, kind of jumped out to me was that you saw the different amount of talents that each one was given. The only time he got upset that that the ruler got upset was when somebody didn't do anything with it and and they hid their talent. And they didn't go try to multiply the talent and and work on it and do what God designed them to do. Mm -hmm. In both the other cases, there wasn't a distinction that one made more than the other. There was a distinction made with both of them that they both did what they were supposed to do. And it didn't matter how much they were given, but they Mm -hmm. gave it back and, and, and they multiplied it and they worked it. And that's what God is asking us to do. No matter what he gives you, he's asking you to work that skill, work that spiritual gift, work that resource. And give it back to me in the way that I'm asking you to.
0: I think you just answered my my last question, which was what what do you hope this book will accomplish? How will it help people? And and what do you hope God will do with it? And I think you just answered that. That people will really honestly just walk this out and take the things that God has given them and present them back to the Lord and not not making it about them. The stewardship is about serving him. And here's the unbelievable part is that by giving it away we gain we gain the, the contentment, the joy, the, the peace, everything that we're seeking, we're going to get all of that when we do this the right way. When we hold it for ourselves, then the opposite happens. We become discontent, we're unhappy, we're unfulfilled. And I think that's, that's what I hope people will get from this book. I, I didn't want to put that in your words, but I'll let you go ahead and answer that. But I, I, that's what I just heard you say.
1: If it's not mine to start with, then I can't be worried about giving it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, about being forced to, to, you know, that hand open instead of the hand closed. If my hand is open to give that out, and, and I hear some, so many folks that say, you know, why does, uh, you know, that may talk about the tithe or things like that, you know, why, why does God expect us to, to, to give back 10%, you know, or whatever, when really we should be thinking he's actually allowing us to live off of 90% of what he gives us in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast, that means you probably either have a nice fancy cell phone or a computer of some sort. And, and probably if that's the case, you're already in the top 10% of wealth of everybody in the world. And so God has gifted you in some ways that he has not gifted a lot of other people. Mm. And he does expect us to, to come to him and, and to talk with him about what do you want me to do? Because it's, it's not a clear cut. Hey, if you're not paying attention, it's, you're not gonna do it. This is mm. a, and this is the reason I like the way that he gave me to put this book out there was it's purposeful and you have to have intent To live a life of stewardship, it's not just going to happen because your flesh will take it back, Mm -hmm. and your flesh will say, "This makes no sense. I'm not going to live this way. Why would I give away things and, and spend time on other people and worry about other people?" Your flesh doesn't think that way. It's not a natural thing to do. That's why there's 2,300 verses in the Bible about money, stewardship, and finances, because he knew. That was going to be one of the toughest areas for us to commit to him, just like the rich young ruler, one of the toughest areas for us to commit to him and to follow through in a godly
0: lifestyle. That's great, Marcus. Well, I I hope our listeners will get a copy of this book uh, and just read it, take the time to go through it uh, as a devotional. It's a very short read every day, but it will challenge you to look at things uh, kind of afresh, kind of anew, and just ask those questions that maybe you haven't asked for a while. Maybe you've gone through and and have gotten so good at teaching others that you think, "I've I've got this handled. I would challenge that thinking, because I'm telling you, as I went through this book, it challenged my own thinking. You know, where have I become less intentional about being a good steward? And it's so easy for us in our society and everything that we deal with every day to just simply take control and not even realize that we've taken control. I'm sure the rich young ruler, when he stepped up to Jesus, he felt pretty confident And then Jesus lowered the boom and said, this is what you lack. And I think this is what I want to challenge our listeners with. Use this for yourself, and then if you find it useful for you, which I believe you will, and if you're honestly going through this and asking these tough questions and applying these questions, then I believe you'll find this is a great resource to use when you're discipling others. And that could be one-on-one, it could be in a group setting. Uh, I found that when I was volunteer training uh, our team, uh, as, a, as a stewardship pastor, that going through this kind of content, taking one biblical truth, one basic principle, and talking it over, looking at the Scripture, and then just asking the question, how does this apply to you today, was the best way to get those people to be fully charged, fully focused on being the best that they could be. So Marcus, thank you for writing this book. It has personally challenged me, and I, and I thank you for that. Uh, it is something that I hope I have the courage to go back to more often. Uh, because it does challenge uh, challenge my thinking, and I I like that. Uh, I do believe that it is is a great resource, so I do recommend uh, this book. Also, Marcus, uh, where can people go uh, to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so uh, some of the places you can go. uh, The entire uh, title of the book is Spiritual Wealth, A 40-Day Journey to Developing Stewardship Mindset. So Mm. that's where the website comes from, uh, stewardshipmindset.com. Uh, you can visit my personal website, there stewardshipmindset.com. I do have a, a kind of a value package there where you can pick up the book, the ebook, some videos uh, will be unlocked too, and me just kind of going a little bit deeper into some of these subjects if you'd like that. The book is, of course, available on Amazon and other places where books are sold too. Please feel free to check that out. And then uh, connect with me on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Stewardship Author, Stewardship Author on Facebook and Instagram. And then just Marcus Hall, uh, Stewardship Author on LinkedIn. Uh, as well. So i appreciate that greatly. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you very much. And keep up the good work. Uh, I hope you continue to to use this this passion you have for stewardship to continue to create more resources. We desperately need them. I know there's a lot of great resources out there. And part of CSN's goal is to to allow our network and the people that listen to us and the leaders that are part of our network to have access to these resources, to know about them. So I hope we've done that today. I hope that you, as you've listened, that you've enjoyed this episode, that it's been valuable to you. And if you want more resources like this and content like this, please visit our website at ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com. You'll find many great resources there and a way to connect to our stewardship community. Also, speaking of connecting, the CSN Annual Forum is coming up in March of 2021, and this is going to be a virtual event. But it's going to be a great event with great speakers, amazing content and wonderful resources. This is also an event that you do not want to miss because there's gonna be the ability to not only attend it, but to have access to all the breakout sessions, all the main sessions for 30 days after the event. So you're gonna be able to get every bit of content that we put out at your own pace. So we're really excited about that. We're also partnering with several great ministries and organizations that serve the church in the area of stewardship and generosity. So you'll be able to meet them and connect with them and help them help you or your church in any way that you need to. Registration for the forum is now open through our website, ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com. Marcus, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, Appreciate you so much. Thank you for the opportunity,
1: and thank you for everything you said about the book. I really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Well, thank you again, folks, for listening. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader.